your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace, music for your psyche. Let's do this! Happy Sunday, y'all. Great to be here. Really excited. This is Prosty. That's Ast Astro. And this is Astro. Happy Sunday, everyone. He's sitting in the opposite seat. He's in, ho he's in seat number one tonight, so... I'm, I'm usually number two. Everything's backwards. Who does number two work for? <laughs> so, I, I'm totally psyched about the show. And I say that every week, and I feel like every time, you know, people, guess, uh, you know, show hosts always say, we have a great show for you tonight, and it's just almost like cliche, right? But I... I truly believe it. Every time I sit in the seat, I'm totally psyched to talk about uh, this stuff. And Astro put together an awesome show, and I can't wait to start it. Yeah, I mean, we have to feel that way. I mean, if you don't feel that way, what's the point of doing this? You know, yeah, yeah there's, true. There's other things we can be doing Sunday nights. Yeah. But I like doing this. This is fun. And uh, yeah, I think we have some cool tunes to play for you guys, and uh, hopefully some interesting tidbits or at least some bullshit that i'm trying to pass off as fact whatever it may be <laughs> nice so uh tell us about what this is about what's our what's our topic tonight so we're going to be focused on three-piece bands and fewer um you know in case there's there's a couple of artists out there that are uh, making a living with uh less than three band members so we're going to tip a cap to one of them at least um but yeah there's a lot of great three-piece bands it's doing more with less you know and uh yeah. we're, we're here to honor them tonight yeah we got a bunch that are Three-piece bands that were once two, like, you know, or like Jack White, right, and the White Stripes. He, like, they, they bring in other instruments and not other people play, but the band is really two people, him and his sister. Right? Yeah, and, there, and there's definitely, or wife, uh, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. Maybe sister-wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's some others, like The Cure, we didn't make the cut, but their first album, and I think maybe another one, they've had a lot of revolving mm -hmm. pieces, but they were a three-piece for a little bit, but... Yeah. We've been playing a lot of The Cure, and I figure there's a lot of other artists here that we really don't play a lot of. Yeah. And a couple, you know, that are a little like, you know, it's two guys, they make up the band, but it's like an orchestra playing. But you'll yeah. figure it out yeah. once so we got, get there. You got Nirvana, who started as a three-piece and emerged to a four-piece and then crashed and burned. Yeah, and <laughs> you got another band that, you know, four-piece, that fired their drummer for being a drug addict and then started making some music as a three-piece, and they ended up bringing them back later. Well, we'll get to them, too. Absolutely. So, uh, do you want to jump into some music? Let's hear it. Let's do it.
That was Rush. We Rush. wanted to start off with that one. That was the spirit of radio. How could you start with another song from a three-piece band than Rush doing spirit of radio? I was talking to Prosty while this was on. I'm like, you know, I almost put the programming in with opening with Rush and closing with Rush because they, they are really all the three-piece bands all combined. You reached your destination. But, uh, harmonic. Okay, that was weird. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we're talking about Rush and uh, you know the, all the different phases that they've been through and uh, how they changed what they the, the way they played music, the style, the lyrics, all based on you know what was relevant at the time and what they were interested in. So uh, we'll get a little deeper into them later on. We're probably planning a show around Rush. I think I, that makes. I sense. think we have to. Like we have to. They I, were the I, band of the millennium, based on Rolling Stone. Like. 10 years ago do you remember that they I, came up yeah like, i all i remember is the rolling stone hated rush for decades and then they finally came around yeah. before it was too late which was good but i was talking to pros i have a couple of buddies of mine where i think the three of us went to every rush show in 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 the area for the past 20 well, well i shouldn't say that i mean it's been a long time since they've been touring but for the last 20 years of their career and uh, we gotta get those guys in here either in here in person or calling in to uh push through a rush show sometime in the next few months. Absolutely. So what was was that on their first album? That was not. That was uh probably in their, right in their mid mid era of their primary years, uh, 1980. So their first album in the 80s, sort of transitioning away from a lot of the uh you know those longer progressive songs and uh more to the shorter, more concise, poppier, you know, great tunes that they ended up doing in the 80s. Um, still, you know, not quite as technically synthesized as they would get later in the 80s, but uh, yeah, they were definitely transitioning at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that's the, f the first song I know by them. Do, do they have hits before that? Um, not really. That yeah. was probably, I mean, they had Closer to the Heart came out a couple of years before that. Really? Uh, yeah, Closer to the Heart was from 77. Oh my God, I feel like that was later. No, that was that was earlier, and Fly By Night was sort of kind of a hit from 74. Five, yeah. I think. Really? And then obviously twenty one twelve. You know, it was probably Yeah, but that didn't knew. have any hits. Well, no. I mean the song the song itself was the entire side. Right. Uh, you know, and I don't think it got an awful lot of radio play. It did save their career though. I mean they yeah. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep in a rush. We're gonna have a whole night based on these guys. Yeah, I feel like uh, I just feel like it was backwards for me. Uh, um, you know, spirit of the radio is what got me into Rush, 
and then well, I mean, it was really their first radio friendly tune. I mean, Close yeah. to the Heart was sort of like a one off for them at that point, mm. um, but Spirit of Radio was you know it was re- really a statement song for them, really mm-hmm. putting a stake in the ground, saying where they were going to be in the next few years. And then you know the next album with Tom Sawyer on it and Limelight and mm. Red Barchetta, yeah, and, La- mean, Limelight, Moving Pictures. I mean, it's probably one of the greatest albums of all time. But I'm biased, obviously. What when did that come out in the nineties? That was in the very next 80s. year. That was eighty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then when did Roll the Bones come out? Roll the Bones, that was 1991. 91. That was my first, that was my, gosh, first year of, sec, first or second year of seeing concerts for me. And they had I a, saw the Roll the Bones tour with uh, mm-hmm. Primus opening up for him. Another Ooh. great three-piece band. <laughs> oh, my God. That's six guys of craziness. <laughs> That's Yeah, so that, that, was, that was a great, uh, very, uh, very impactful show in my concert-going career. Mm. The New Haven Coliseum. Roll the Bones, like the sound of Rush at that point was different than than it was before. Yeah, I mean, that was really... Roll the Bones was the last album that had that like 80s processed, synthesized type of sound. Yeah, very synthesized. Um, After that, they sort of, the grunge era kind of took hold. Obviously, that came out in 91. Mm. And their next album came out in 94. That was uh, uh, Counterparts. And that had definitely a more distinctive... Uh, grungier, crunchier guitar, mm-hmm. higher in the mix, and uh, the keyboards sort of fell away by design. Yeah. Um, so Roll the Bones really was a last in an era of about five records or so. Actually, you know, between those those early '80s, those two albums we were talking about, and and, and the early '90s. Mm. And uh, Neil Peart is known as. Probably the greatest rock drummer of all time. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have to use the word probably or rock there, but sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think a lot of a lot of people know Neil Peart to be that, right? There are Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that argument about John Bonham. I think there's a famous, this is a famous yep. argument that Howard Stern had, I believe, a couple of years ago. And uh, it was really, it came down to Bonham and, and Neil Peart. Yeah. And uh, I think they ended up going with, with Bonham, but... I don't know. Yeah, and he's don't get don't get wrong. Bonzo's killer, awesome, one of the three greatest drummers of all time. Mm. But I don't think he's the number one. Yeah, Pert, Pert, they were different. They were so different. Like Bonham didn't have like a a six thousand piece drum kit and be able to play every little thing. Yeah, it it like rotated for him. Yeah, yeah. Like he was just in a in another universe. You know, and he wrote all the lyrics for the Rush songs. Yeah, he did. you don't see that much a drummer writing all the lyrics for all the songs. You don't, and you know, we can just get into you know so many great interviews I read with Getty and talking about how you know the drummer's writing the lyrics, but he's the one who has to sing them. So they have this sort of you know back and forth on what works, what doesn't, and you know they they honed it over decades and really, honestly, I think it paid off in spades in their final album, Clockwork Angels. I mean, that was their last album, and it was a throwback to the older concept albums they used to do in the 70s, and it really worked. Uh, going out on a real high note in their last, last record in 2012. Yeah, nice. All right, let's talk, let's uh, listen to some more music. What is my reaction? 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Harmonic Headspace here at Wave Radio Boston. Please call in. Let us know what you're uh, thinking. Let's get some stuff out on the table. 617-829-9283 is our listener line. That 9283 is Wave. You can also text us at 617-764-9283. Uh, like us on our Facebook page, Wave Radio Boston Rocks. So uh, we got a couple songs there, you know, coming out right here of this uh, Jimi Hendrix experience, uh, You Got Me Floating. Uh, not one you hear an awful lot from them, but, uh, you know, f- from my perspective, it's, you know, one of the songs I really dig off of Axis Bold is Love. And uh, I don't know that you can say there's an underrated Jimi Hendrix experience album. Yeah. But I think most people generally gravitate towards Are You Experienced and uh, Elect- Electric Ladyland. And I think Axis mm-hmm. Bold is Love gets overlooked a little bit. And that's that's always been my favorite of theirs. So. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure we picked a song that wasn't just like, you know, Foxy Lady or Hey Joe or something we've heard a million times. Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of the uh, approach we take with a lot of our stuff, right? Like, I don't want to play the radio hits. I want to play the artists that we love. And if, you know, if someone's listening and they're learning stuff that you're teaching them, which is probably a whole bunch of people, um, we'll show them a new song and, and explain to them, you know, why it's cool. I'm one of those people who are sitting here learning. Um, I don't, I don't know that song very well, 
but I appreciate listening to the more obscure ones because I learn more and it's the artists I want to hear. So Yeah, and uh, honestly, it, it comes down to familiarity. Even from, from our perspective, like me putting you know a, a song list together for a show, if I know an artist's catalog well, I'll dig deeper for yeah. something like this. But where there's an artist, like we'll see some artists later on that I'm not as familiar with in terms of the depth of their catalog. You know, we're going with a song that I know, mm -hmm. which is probably a song that you know. So, uh, you know, it's going to come down to familiarity, at least from my perspective, in terms of being able to, you know, share songs that are a little bit deeper that I really love. Mm -hmm. um, you can only really love songs that are deeper if you're deep into that artist. Right. Yeah, totally agree. So more about Jimi Hendrix, uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience. So there's a bunch of albums. Uh, Electric Ladyland was one of them. There's three. That's it. Three. Okay. Yeah. So that was not a three piece. They were. They were always a three-piece. So he didn't have a bass player? Yeah, he had a bass player and he had a drummer. What about Stevie Winwood? Steve Winwood wasn't in the band. He was in traffic. He, we talked about this in the first no, show. He, well, he was just jamming. Like that with Electric Ladyland, he, he just, some of the tracks were the three-piece and some of the stuff had other guest artists who performed with him. But it was still Got released it. as a Jimi Hendrix experience. That Got was a it. more of a collective album than the first two. I think the first two were strictly Jimmy and... Uh, uh, Mitch Mitchell and uh, oh god, I'm pointing at you like uh, yeah, you know. I'm I don't know. <laughs> I don't say Chaz Chandler, but he was no. Yeah, uh, well, so but that still that clears it up because I knew Stevie Winwood. Noel Redding. Is that who it is? Yeah, I didn't I didn't look it up. You're seeing me. I'm not yeah. looking at my phone. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm embarrassed that I couldn't name the three members of the Jimi Hendrix Experience. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, for letting you down. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, so, but you, you cleared it up because I knew Stevie Wonder played and I was like, oh, he was part of the Jimi Hendrix experience, but he was No, yeah, he just, he played he on... Just uh, a dude who got to play with them. Exactly, a lucky dude who got to jam in Electric Ladyland. Yeah, nice. Uh, the Police. The Police, man, another awesome three-piece band. Mm -hmm. um, one of the great bands that I regret not seeing live. Um, yeah, uh, me too. I saw Sting and he was powerful and spunky <laughs> you know like <laughs> you wouldn't think that you know because when he broke off he wrote more slow or you know more r&b stuff uh i like to call it adult contemporary okay he did he stepped into like yeah. a bit of a jazz thing when he first yeah. uh broke up the police yeah but he, his live shows he played a lot of police tunes mm -hmm. and he came out in combat boots with big ass bass and he was a badass he was a real badass so um, yeah, I, I regret not seeing the police, but seeing Sting was definitely a great experience. He's awesome. Yeah, I mean, with the police, you know, obviously their first run, I think we were both too young to see them. They were done by like 84 at yeah. that point. I wasn't seeing concerts then. Mm -hmm. And they did that reunion tour uh, around 2005, 6, 7 time frame. Actually, I was going to go, and I, it's my own fault. They came around the Boston area two or three times. And the one time I actually was thinking about going was right the same time my uh, oldest daughter was born. Uh, so I couldn't go, but those things happen. Yeah. Much rather uh, experience the birth of my uh, firstborn <laughs> yeah. and not have to hear about it for the rest of my life as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the police are the police. They're awesome. And, uh, you know, it's a band I, I, I like a lot. And I was able to go in a little bit deeper for them, uh, but still something a little peppy, you know, Driven yeah. to Tears on Zenyatta Mandata. Yeah. Again, my favorite police album. Uh, similar to Axis Bold as Love, uh, gets a lot of credit as all police albums do. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Driven to Tears is great. Yeah, and that's another incredible drummer, also known as one of the greater drummers of rock. Stuart Copeland. Yeah, 
uh, film producer. He's in another great three-piece as well, Oysterhead. That's right. With uh, Les Claypool from Primus, and another three-piece junkie. And, and, Trey. Uh, and Trey Anastasio from Fish. His, usually, yeah. his usual gigs with a four-piece, but, you know, he can handle it. I wish they put out better songs. I just, I, I mean, they're, they're a, a super group that you hear the stuff and you're like, oh, this is good. The, look, listen to the bass. It's awesome. Listen to the drums. It's awesome. You know, but all together... It's not memorable, like to yeah. Me, I mean, you know? it's yeah. I mean, they the album I think is fun, but I mean, it's not. It's it's a it's a typical uh, pitfall that you find with supergroups, right? You know, they come mm-hmm. together and like the material's not necessarily there. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a magical thing. You know, yeah. I think sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think Audio Slave had a great first album. They had a ton of good material on there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Blind Faith, that whole album, was a fantastic album. So, I mean, supergroups can work, yeah. but they can also fizzle. Yeah, yeah. I, th- well, I think Audio Slave, I don't know that they... I wouldn't call them a supergroup. Yes, they were. It was, it was Rage, Rage Against the Machine. Up. Yeah, Rage broke and up. They got and a it, new singer. Yeah, so uh, it was, it was, you're combining Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden. Those yeah. are pretty big bands from the 90s. Well, I, that's one way to look at it. But when I look at it, I would say for a supergroup, you need you don't just replace one person. So you is, have to have was like, Velvet Revolver a supergroup? Uh, so that's Guns N' Roses and Scott Weiland, right? Yeah, it's very similar situation to Audio Slave. Um, then no, I don't think I don't think so. I think uh, I don't think so. I think you need three, right? Mad Season and qualifies. Blind Faith qualifies. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. What about Cream? Would Cream qualify? Yeah. But I think they only had it from two because Jack and Ginger were both playing in the Grand Bond Association. We, we shouldn't be going down this far. Yeah. This is a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. Um, yeah, point taken. Uh, but back to the police. Um, so they broke up in 84. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure. It was sort of a, I don't know if it was a heartbreak or a slow fizzle. Sort of the talking heads. Like their last album was, I think, in 91, and they officially broke up in 94. Yeah. Kind of well, a slow fizzle. Every Breath You Take was their last album, right? That was from their last album, yeah, and from they, Synchronicity. Right, Synchronicity, right. So, and that was like... That was 80... Their biggest... 82, 83, and they had like a, a huge world tour. Yeah, and I, they had and more hits off of that record they than had, any... Yeah, I agreed. It sucks they couldn't get along. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's too bad. I don't know. It's the king of pain. <laughs> couldn't deal with it. All right, you want to jump into another block? Let's hear some tunes. I, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, before we go in, though. All right. So um, this next song uh, um, was from an album that Astro and I, I mean, a, a show, a, a concert that Astro and I went to, uh, and they opened with a song, and it, this is like a Goosebumps thing <laughs> all over your body. Um, so that's what I wanted to say. Sweep up out my eye. 
scratch myself a bit. Pull me out a bowl of corn chips. Closest thing I could find, apple pie. Linger taste of toothpaste, made the milk without a bit funny, but you know, them chicks, they do satisfy.
Waking up all alone Waking up so relieved While taking time with apologies I'm planning my ways of revenge Red eyes on orange horizons If Columbus was wrong I'd drive straight off the band uh that's alkaline trio um i was uh turned on to them wow like in like 2000 ish uh when i worked in log me in by uh i think it was an intern who um was listening to a bunch of music that i liked and he had this huge thing of alkaline trio i'm like who is that and he's like oh you like blink 182 and you like these other bands you probably like them okay so I dove in and I was hooked right away. Their their sound is so emotional. Um, 
so uh, the drummer is amazing. Um, they have two singers, uh, one uh, the bass player and then the, and the uh, guitar player, Matt Skiba. Um, and they both have very unique sounds. So um, what the, uh, the bass player, I can't remember the band. Um, I want to, uh, not the Ramones, but it was like a three-piece from the 70s. Uh, I was that thinking, we're not playing tonight? Yeah, we're not playing them tonight. Um, but he, he, he's got a raspy voice. And then the, lead, the uh, guitar player um, is more, more of the singer. And the guitar player is now the, since 2015, he's now the lead singer of Blink-182. So is, he, is Alkaline Trio still a thing now? Or, uh, or is I it Alkaline Duo? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's alkaline anymore. I, I, I think they're done. It um, seems like that probably the case, unless he's going to pull double duty, which, I mean, if these guys were popular enough, I mean, they were around for a while, right? Yeah, well, so their last their last album was is this thing, Cursed, in uh, 20, 2018. And I remember when he joined, he um, it wasn't like I'm quitting Alkaline Trio. It was like I'm going to go... Sing with Blink Blink One Eighty Two. Tour with them. They wrote an album, California, which yep. was actually pretty good. Um, not one of my favorites. I like all their older stuff better, but it was pretty good. Um, and I and they haven't put out anything with Alkaline Trio since then. But if you like that kind of music, it's like punky. Um, I I would I don't want to say poppy, but it's got too much balls to be poppy. So it's pretty poppy. Yeah, I just. It's, I mean, it's power. It's power punk or, or or power pop. Yeah, it's just like it's just heavier. I feel like, and it's it's so emotional, uh, and that's what I love about it. So if you if you like Blink One Eight Two, Green Day, um, and even more punk stuff, I highly recommend check out Alkaline Trio, uh, and start with God Damn It, uh, their first album. Um, it's awesome, and then it, you know go to Spotify and go to the Alkaline Trio channel and just and listen to it for a while. Um, I, I love that band. So they're so good. So uh, before that, Nirvana, Scentless Apprentice. Scentless Apprentice. That was from their final album. Final studio album. Final studio album mm-hmm. in utero. Yeah. Um, that, I love that. Uh, I, I specifically requested that one. Uh, that's a late night moshing in the bar song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty open to Nirvana songs, so yeah. uh, you know, there's there's not many that I would have an issue playing. Yeah, and and at that point, they were not a three piece anymore, right? So let me know. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they recorded uh, in utero with Pat Smear or if he was just if he just joined them as a touring guitarist. I mean, obviously, you know, he he was a guitarist in the Germs, so yeah, you know, he was a known he was a known guy. He was he's, in the Meat Puppets. He's in the Meat Puppets too. Yeah. Wow, he's yep. he's been around. Now he's yeah, in Foo so, Fighters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, he played with them on the Unplugged. Right. Yeah. Of course. And Unplugged was before In Utero, wasn't it? Or mm. no, they did. Uh, no, no. They uh, did it after. Yeah, they did. That's right. Uh, so I don't I don't know if he's on the album or not. I. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to your point, they were basically a four piece band, you know, because I mean, he was Pat Smear isn't just like some random like touring guitars like a tech who comes out and plays like he's a known guy like oh, yeah. he's been in in famous he's bands in, he's been in the foo fighters since their second album right yeah and yeah. he's the and the foo fighters are what the fourth really known band that yeah. he's been in yeah and oh it's funny like i don't feel like i hear pat smear's name enough you know and he's been the main guitarist in four great bands yeah yeah and he's uh he's so solid too like of course, yeah. or he would have been the main guitarist in those four bands. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, and then we went back to another primal three-piece band, Primus. Yes. One of my favorites, you know, going back to the high school days. Uh, like we mentioned, you know, the first Rush show I saw in 91, 91, 92, Prim- Primus was opening for him. Yeah. And uh, New Haven Coliseum, uh, Les brought out his big stand-up bass and started playing uh, Master of Puppets. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I didn't play the whole song, obviously, but, uh, you know, got got the crowd a little riled up. I've seen uh, Les Claypool probably five or six times, um, at least three with Primus. The We saw him with the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. And um, what a cool concept that was, seeing Primus rewrite the songs for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, all the songs that we know that that you know you hear and you kind of sing along with your yeah, in your they're head. just reinterpretations, like yeah. same songs. Yeah, and they did a really good job. It was yeah. a, a lot of fun that album, and the tour was really a blast too. Yeah, they had Oompa Loompas on stage, <laughs> and they had trippy like uh, trippy things going on in the background with the Oompa Loompas dancing around. They played the show, the the Willy Wonka show, took a break, and then they came out and played the most incredible set I've seen of any Primus show. They played every single song, like the best song off of all their albums. They didn't miss a thing. And they started with Groundhog Day. Yep. And I remember just, it was all quiet. And just like when we started a couple seconds ago and you hear the... You hear the little bass chug. You smell the smell in the air. Yeah. And it's my day. Yeah, that's that was awesome. So... Another time I saw, Prim- uh, not uh, not Primus, but Les Claypool, he was with the Flying Frog Brigade. Oh, yeah. And it was at a show called the Snowcore Ball in Boston. I, I think it was at Avalon. Were they wildly miscast? It sounds like by the name of the show that it was a lot of like pop punk stuff and then Claypool coming out playing 30-minute covers of King Crimson tunes and uh, <laughs> animals and stuff. Uh, yes, you <laughs> hit it right there. So um, it, they opened for Galactic, which is a great funk blue, uh, funk jazz band that I love. And that's Wait a minute, I was at that show. Were you? Yeah. And uh, That was Valentine's Day, I think, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. They covered animals. Mm-hmm. And Les uh, was... Ta- oh, and Skerrick was there. Yeah. So Skerrick is probably the the best uh, saxophone um, clar- uh, cl- clarinet or clavinet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's a saxophone freakout. Yeah. yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, but he plays another one too. I can't remember, but it's mostly sax. Um, and he wears a mask, and he's a crazy guy. And Skerrick stands for a scary Eric because he's a real weirdo. I did not know that. Yeah. So um, Skerrick came out. And they did a dueling, a dueling solo. So Skerrick and Les Claypool did a dueling solo against each other with a sax and a bass. Was Claypool using his bass or using his whamola? It was bass. Okay. Uh, is the whamola that big thing from the yeah, bed frame? Yeah, that big thing that he, he whacks it and he like he holds the top yes. and pulls it up and down. And that's and the other thing. Attention. Yeah. And he had just got it. Yeah. They, he said he got it in Vermont. He just got it. That's right. He, he just started. It was probably like 2000, 
2002 maybe yeah, it was time really frame. early yeah so he got it in vermont and he said that he was at a show and he was hanging out with some people after the show i really had... i wish les would just call in right now we're, yeah, so we're talking a lot about the whamola I think, yeah i think we could use his his expertise on this discussion yeah but it's like a base made with a like a, a wire and a bed frame <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he just like bends it and plays it and he's like a virtuoso on this thing it was it was unbelievable. That was a great show. Just seeing Galactic, I mean, they're great. Seeing Skerrick, who is, you know, one of the greatest. Was Houseman still with them at that time? Yes. Okay, because that was a lot. I think that was the last time I saw them with yeah. Houseman before he he left the band, and he's actually he's passed away. He since passed then. away a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, um, I saw Galactic a couple of years ago, and they have a new singer, a female singer. They have a new singer like every year. Oh really? I did not like, know that. Okay. They've had like so I haven't seen it, them since that that Snowcore show. Yeah, I've seen them probably four times since then and they've had a different new lead singer honestly i don't like when they have singers even when houseman came agree. on back in the day it's like oh yeah he, he's fun and all but it's like houseman was the best he but he still he kind of takes away from the groove and when you're seeing classic you're there for the groove you know yeah i agree yeah stanton moore is is they so that's one of the only bands that the drummer is situated in the middle in the middle of the stage and everybody plays around him because he's the leader of that well, band. Well, it's like Joe Russo, and Joe Russo is almost dead. He's uh, he's a drummer, and he's like the leader of that band. What band? Joe Russo is almost dead. It's a dead cover band. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, Stanton Moore, and he's known in the jazz community as one of the greatest drummers, so mm -hmm. he plays with all these other people. Uh, so I went to see Galactic, and I agree, the house man, it, he was... Uh, it changes the vibe of the show. It it's still yeah. fun, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But he was the best of all of them. Like he, yeah, well, he, was, he the was galactic. Yeah, he. I mean, he he was their front man, and he only came out for like half the songs yeah. or less. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, those galactic still. I mean, they're mm -hmm. still great. They've put out uh, songs with like rappers, kind of like, and uh, all kinds of different people. And oh, Medeski Martin Wood has done a lot like that as well. Yeah, where they yep. would actually, you know, start doing some more hip hop stuff. And yep, Soul Live as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we should do a show on yeah. that. <laughs> we'll we'll get Big Ben to come in. That's an idea. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Uh, do you want to talk any more about Primus, Nirvana, Alkaline Trio, or do you want to go into some more music? No, I could talk about Primus all day, but let's let's hear some more tunes. <laughs> I'm in bad, I'm in good, that was terrible. 
That was the Beastie Boys with Gratitude. I love that fuzzy bass. That's awesome. That was, uh, yeah, that was from their 92 album, Check Your Head. Yeah. Uh, it was the first album where they were playing their own instruments for, for some of the songs. Yeah, and they were, I mean, they were a, a metal punk band before they were even... That's right, Cookie yeah. Puss. Cookie Puss, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So if you have not read the book or listened to the book, like on Audible, I highly recommend it. I, I listened to it on Audible, and I, I would recommend it listening to it on Audible instead of reading it because... Uh, people come in and read chapters, like Snoop Dogg reads a chapter. Nice. And it's really cool to hear his voice and his, just hit, it's, uh, it's a, uh, not a production, but um, it's entertaining now, to hear them. Do Mike you know? and Adam narrate yes, any of it? They do. They do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they talk about uh, MCA's life a lot. Um, they talk about what it was like at the very beginning and the whole way through. Um, crazy stories mca talks well he, he doesn't talk but they talk about how mca loved playing that fuzzy bass the same thing you just heard on gratitude and what you hear on sabotage yeah. he loved uh he and he called it the fuzz uh he loved playing that and i do too like i'm a bass player and i i try to fit in that sound when, when i can just and i think it's a total influence by by ad rock nice uh, not Ad Rock, sorry. MCA. MCA yeah. yeah. Again, I, I get the mixed up. <laughs> get all your Adams right. mixed up. We've been getting yeah. mixed up since the 80s. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, and before that, we had White Stripes, Blue Orchid. White Stripes, Blue Orchid. I always thought that was his sister. Uh, we're not really sure. I, mean, <laughs> I think it's documented technically that they were former spouses. One, it said one, one time wife. Okay. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like they didn't really answer any questions when they when they hit the scene in the late nineties and who knows. Yeah, I could have sworn I read somewhere that it was his his sister, so I was like, Wow, they didn't even really look alike. <laughs> but that's cool. They play they play some mean tunes though, man. Yeah. The White stripes were really great. Yeah. And I love Blue Orchid. It's a great album opener. Yeah. Um Yeah, I'm a big Seven Nation Army fan. I know that's what everybody knows. But that riff is just timeless. Oh, it's a monster riff. It's one of the, it's one of the all time riffs, and Jack White has uh, credit for it. So mm -hmm. good for him. Yeah, I paid my son to learn it on guitar. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's like, I want to get this game like Call of Duty or something like that. What can I do to earn money? And I was like, uh, you can clean the garage. Or you can learn Seven Nation Army. And he's like, I'll take Seven Nation Army yeah, for, for take $25, please, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take him to learn it? About a week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's only like a few notes, but he before he, he had to play it like 10 times in a row without making a mistake where I could say, okay, you you know it. And I bought him a, fin, a Fender mini guitar, so there's... Um, Fender Squires, and then there's a Fender Mini, which mm. is like the smallest one. Uh, and his hands were still too small to play, so his like elbow was way out out there <laughs> trying to like push down on the string. And uh, but he got it. He nice. got it. Yeah. Perseverance pays off. Yeah. Now I I there's haven't seen him since ten then. times, huh? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen him since then. He's been in the basement playing Call of Duty since then. Oh, he I was say he's, he's going to be down there practicing uh, guitar. So no, now he's playing no. Call of Duty. He hasn't touched the guitar since. It's still <laughs> hand, it's hand-eye coordination. It'll help him out. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, tell us about ZZ Top. ZZ Top's one of the f most famous, one of the first three-piece bands, and still together, man. These guys are ancient. 
and they're awesome. Uh, they had a you know a bit of a a, a, a jump up in the '80s, which was kind of weird. Uh, a band like a, a blues-based three-piece from late '60s, early '70s, out of Texas. From Texas, coming in the '80s and uh, making it with uh, legs and like all those crazy videos with the cars yeah. and the fuzzy guitars that spin around and the ladies. They had a brand, man. They like, did. But I mean, think of back in the '80s, and, and that's that's kind of when you know MTV was coming out and it was huge. And right. now you had an opportunity to have a brand and really show it and they really took advantage of that with their starting with their beards right right right. to their spinning guitars to those cars to the hot chicks well everyone who tried to do that to the 80s 80s production synthesizers and you know hey they made it work and you know they they had a very successful career before then but that took it to the next level totally yeah but uh tush yeah that's one of my favorites from back in the day like you know i'm not i'm not as deep with the zz top but i definitely like some of their older stuff uh, and this one is, uh, you know, Dusty just rips it up. Love this tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Lagrange. Yeah, that was another one I was considering as well. Uh, Jesus Just Lost Chicago is a really nice one. There's they have some really good stuff. Uh, cheap sunglasses. I like uh, cheap sunglasses. I almost yeah. put that on there, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll play that another time. Yeah, nice. Uh, you want to jump right back in? Yeah, let's, let's hear some stuff. Let's do it. Thank you. 
destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! That is Josie by Blink-182. I'm going to read the lyrics to that song because I love that song. Uh, And if you don't know it, it's um, this is my love song to my wife. Yeah, my girlfriend takes me home when I'm too drunk to drive, and she doesn't get all jealous when I hang out with the guys. She laughs at my dumb jokes when no one does. She brings me Mexican food from Sombrero just because. Yeah, just because. 
And my girlfriend likes UL and DHC. She's so smart and independent. I don't think she needs me quite half as much as I know I need her. I wonder why there's no other guy she'd prefer. And when I feel like giving up, like my world is falling down, I show, throw, I show up at 3 a.m. and she's still up watching vacation. And I see her pretty face and it takes me away to a better place. And I know that everything, everything is going to be fine. That again, is my love song to my wife, and uh, I wanted to profess that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, remember, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world right now. Listening?
All right, we have a tale of two Josies. Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's pretty good. Two three-piece bands playing songs named Josie. Well, you know, Steely Dan's not quite a three-piece band. They right. uh, they sort of pseudo qualify here, but I love Steely Dan so much. I'm going to play them whenever I can. Well, they're not a four-piece band. No, they're not. They're two or they're three or less or two or less. Yes, they're, it's two guys. But I mean, you hear that song, Josie. You know, obviously, it's not just two guys playing. It's they have a very lush band. Uh, they have horns players, they have drummers, lead guitarists. Um, Steel Dan's interesting because you know they were an actual like five piece band for the first three or four albums, and then their primary songwriters basically jettisoned the rest of the band, or the rest of the band left because they stopped touring. Whatever the details were, ended up becoming just Be- Becker and Fagan, the songwriters. So mm-hmm. you know this this song Josie from the Asia album was our second to last album during their primary run in the seventies. And, uh, you know, I was telling Prosty while we were listening to the song, um, you know, they used to have, like, they'd, they'd bring in, like, guitarists to do, like, that solo on Josie, and they'd bring in, like, eight guitarists. And they would basically, they'd play on the track, and they're like, okay, put your solo right here. And, like, do your thing. Like, don't, don't worry about what we're looking for. Do what sounds right to you. And they'd go through and pick out of the eight solos which one they would want for the song. And, like, that's the kind of, like... The way they put together their songs, they were, you know, more of like a production company, a songwriting production company mm-hmm. than an actual band. Yeah, and that's like that's the next level because what what musicians are doing now is they're hiring, uh, you know, musicians to play, like paying a professional guitar player to, uh, you know, record this, whatever. Steely Dan could be like, all you can audition for it. Right, and we'll give you royalties because we're going to make a shitload of money because we're Steely Dan. Right, where we're bringing the songs here. Yeah, if you have the it, material. If you you're can lucky, find the we'll players. pick you. Exactly. Instead of, can I pay you to do? You know, and then yeah, it's just a different level. I love Steely Dan though. I like Peg. I love that song. Yeah, Peg's good. I like Peg. With uh, we named our uh, second daughter after that after that song. Peg. Well. Yeah, well, her name's Margaret, and that's Peg is a shorthand for Margaret. Okay. As is Maggie. Nice. What we I call was like, her. you have a daughter that I don't know about? <laughs> Peggy? No. You, really? No, Peggy. <laughs> okay. Do Just, you call her Peg? No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And then, so Blink 182, uh, Astro and I had a, a little discussion about them before, uh, like last week talking about bands and we're like oh should we play them should we not play them and i was adamant about playing them because um you know they have a lot of great albums they have a huge following um and they just make me feel good i don't know if uh you know how many people out there are listening like blink 182 but i bet the people who like them like them because they make them feel that the emotion you get from Blink-182 is such a positive force. You know, like all of their songs are so, and I'm, I want to say happy because I, I wouldn't say they're all happy, but they're just, a, they just have this positive emotion about them that is like so strong. And I, I, I mean, starting with like uh, Buddha, I think Buddha was their first one. Um, and then Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch, which were, um, kind of before they made it big. Dude Ranch is the one that, um, what's my name again? I mean, uh, um, Sissy's Growing Up. Um, yeah, I've never heard yeah. of any of those albums. Yeah, so that, um, that was on Dude Ranch, so their first big hit. 
And then they came out with uh, the one with the nurse on the cover. I can't. Yeah, remember. that's the one. That's and one I've. That's seen, the right? one who had like six or seven big hits on it, right? But their stuff before that was equally good. It wasn't produced as well because they didn't have the money, right? Uh, but Dude Ranch is a great album. Buddha is a great album. And even Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the one after that, has some good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I love Blink-182. I know they're not, like, uh, I don't, they, I, I was going to say, I'm not, no, they're not Grammy winners, but that's not true. I, they might have some Grammys. I don't know. They might. Uh, but I like them because of just the, the, the emotion and the positive emotion and the feeling I get when I hear Blink and, um, the, the, even their voices, like they just seem familiar to me. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, I, I admit I love Blink One Eighty Two, and I will. Uh, and hey, where does the badge of honor? It's not like you're raising your hand for Nickelback or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I um, yeah, they're great. And even uh, I, I don't. I would. I'd say I don't like them as much with uh, Matt Skiba um, from Alkaline Trio. I like both of the original bands better. Uh, but yeah, Blink is uh, Blink is pretty awesome. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Wave Radio Boston is available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week at wrbrocks.com. Just press the big red listen button to listen to our live programming. You'll find you'll also find on demand show replays, news, show schedules, and more. Go to wrbrocks.com for everything Wave Radio Boston. Join the Real Radio Revolution and say F you to FM with Wave Radio Boston. Yeah, and I got to say, we've, we have not done a good job recently of playing local music. We have not. Like, for the past two shows, we haven't played any. And this one, we don't have. Oh, we have one, maybe, later. Uh, but, yeah, we haven't, we've done not a good job with that. And I think it's because, we like, our shows are like episodes about something specific and we can't we, well no we could have found piece. a local three piece is is there a local three piece i don't you're aware of i not that i'm aware of but well, i'm that, sure there there's, are there's, there's probably the like tons right we just didn't know but and the reason why we don't have them here is because they didn't send us the email why don't you share the information if you want to hear your original music on wave radio boston email us at media at wave with a song or two tell us a little about yourself um, we'll get back to you about profiling your music um, and possibly have you in. Uh, the Americans were in here last week. They were phenomenal. That's a Black Crows cover band. Um, wow. Um, you can hear it on uh, Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and, and uh, search for Wave Radio Boston, you can find all of our episodes there. Um, so check it out. Uh, check out the Americans. Uh, you could come in with your band if uh, if you pass all the tests. Um, and the cool thing is, all our shows are different, right? Like uh, Big Ben Soul Review will uh, focus on, you know, soul, funk, jazz, that kind of stuff. Um, we are a little more Gen X stuff. Um, the uh, I mean, there, there are different shows that are kind of different genres. So we'll find we'll find your spot. So yeah, send us send us more. We would have loved to play some uh, cool three piece here tonight, but we'll get back to it soon. Uh, well, oh oh my goodness, what are we talking about? We have a we have a local you have band. a local three piece band up right here right now. I just keep waiting for you to finish. Okay, <laughs> we got one right here.
I'm having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting sheep, but running out. As time ticks by, still I try. No rest for cross tops in my mind. On my own, here we go. Like they're gonna bleed Right up in bullshit on my skull My mouth is dry My face is numb Fucked up and spun out in my room On my own, here we go Stew by Green Day, another uh, very famous, very successful and popular three-piece band. Mm-hmm. Uh, during our time frame, they were really big when we were in college. Yeah, that was probably one of their worst albums, though. Was that Insomniac? That one? Yeah. yeah. It was a fir- it was a follow-up to Duke to Dookie, right? It was a follow-up to Dookie. Yep. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be tough to follow up an album like that. Yeah. Well, the uh, American Idiot did incredible. Well, it took they that was a much different sounding album. It was much more yep. mature, much more produced. Yep. It's an album that they needed to mature a bit more to make. I don't think they mm-hmm. could have followed up Dookie with American Idiot. Yeah. They needed those years in between. Yeah, and Dookie was um not even their first album. Th- right. It was their third, I think. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know it's definitely not their first. So they had yeah. like, like Kerplunk was one of them yeah, and Kerplunk, they had Kerplunk and then ten thousand sappy something. Oh uh, yeah. 
Uh, but like Welcome to Paradise was on Dookie, but it was also another version was on another album. Okay. Um, and it's a little bit more raw, um, kind of a few note differences, but it's kind of cool to hear. Uh, but yeah, I love all Green Day. Um, the, the newer stuff I don't think is as great, kind of fell off the map. Yeah, what happened with that album, that Uno Dos Trace, like that just totally just yeah. crashed and burned, right? Yeah, yeah. And they put something out since then and that's probably better from what I've, I haven't heard yeah. it, but. No, I mean, like you said, after American Idiot, the explosion like that, I mean, they had a Broadway play. Right, exactly. You know? I mean, they had people redoing that whole album, like different people re-recording the songs. Well, I mean, they hit it at the right time. And yeah. it, was, it was a mix of songs. You know, there was, you know, the slow songs, there was the fast songs, the publicly charged. Mm-hmm. They were taking a stance, you know, mm-hmm. something that, you know, you don't see enough from major artists these days. I think you're seeing more of it these days, but mm-hmm. it, it's not a matter of having the message. You actually have to have the material too. Yeah. And when they all hit at once is when you get those types of impactful albums like American Idiot. Yeah. I remember when I was... Uh, I was waiting in line at Newberry Comics to get in on Friday night um, because that's when they do CD releases on Friday nights. It was like 1990-something, and I'm there with my uh, my band, uh, like Fowler, who called in one other time, and someone else. I were waiting in line. Um, we get in. We're walking around, and I can't remember what album. Did you just refer to Scotty as someone else? No, I don't think Scotty. I'm, pr- I'm sure <laughs> Scotty was not there. I'm yeah, I'm positive. Okay. Um, so we uh, we wait in the line and uh, get in and get the album we're looking for. I think it was Jar Flies, but I, I I don't remember. Um, get the album and they're playing w- when they're playing music. Um, and this was like this was the the olden days, right? Where yeah. when you go to Newbury Comics, you're there to listen to music, get new music, talk to other weirdos about music. And it was just different than now where you got like pop funkos and fucking right. magnets around, <laughs> you know. Um, so they're playing this band, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And song after song, you could tell it was the same guy because Billy Joe Armstrong's voice is unmistakable. Right. And song after song, I'm like, oh my God, this song's awesome. Oh my God, this song's awesome. I get up to pay for the album I have, the CD, and I'm like, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's a new band called Green Day. I'm like, I'll take it. Like my last nine dollars and ninety-five cents, I I bought Green Day Dookie, fell in love with it, and this was just when Basket Case. I think that was their first one, whatever the first one off that album was. I think so. Yeah, um, pretty sure that was yeah. it. And I was like, I discovered this band, and then they played at Woodstock. No, wait, it was Longview, wasn't it? Longview, yeah, right. yeah. Um, I, it's hard to remember because they don't say the names of the right, songs exactly. either of them, so I right. can't remember. Uh, so then they played at Woodstock that like in a, a year later, a couple of years later, um, and you know, not, obviously not the real Woodstock, but well, know, didn't they the have that, they had that free show in Boston that they called yep. off because yep. it was like mayhem? It was yep. right during that that surge, maybe ninety four, ninety five, yep. and the same thing happened at Woodstock. Yep. So there was a mud fight. And we were all slinging mud everywhere, and we were throwing out the band. And at first, they were okay with it, but then they were getting mad. And then the the bass player got like punched in the face, and by a security guard or something like that, because I, I think he came down and he didn't know the the security guard didn't know who it was. 
So, anyways, there was some altercation with someone in the band, and they cut the band, they cut the show short, and they didn't play, they didn't finish their set. But it was probably the best show at Woodstock. Them and Nine Inch Nails. I was gonna say Nine Inch Nails. I mean, <laughs> and, and you think about it, you talk about not being the real Woodstock. Compared to Woodstock '99, it was pretty legit. Yeah. Um, that was a shit show. Talk about what happened. You know, for, you know that was that was terrible. What yeah. happened in '99? But '94, yeah. yeah, of course it wasn't '69, but I think it, it holds its own in terms of you know a, a bands, an important festival. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, Metallica was ridiculous, and Nine Inch Nails was was the best show. Aerosmith was pretty good. <laughs> Chili Peppers were not good. It was I've seen them. That's ten, what, like ten Eric times. Marshall was the guitarist for him at that point. That was right. Really? Yeah. It was it was in between. It was before uh, Navarro joined the band. Yeah, it was right after Blood Sugar Sucks Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they sounded horrible. But they came out and big light bulbs. Yeah, the big light bulbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so how so could weird. they sound good? <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. Um yeah, that was a fun show though. But yeah, Green Day um defining band of like and are they pop punk rock what are they nobody knows they're hall of famers yeah they are absolutely what else did we hear on that on that break we heard some chevelle oh yeah uh i love chevelle chevelle uh is uh again like what genre i don't know they're rock are they metal um, they are now a two-piece, um, Pete and Sam Loeffler, two brothers from Chicago area. Um, nice, brothers in bands. That usually works out well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they just put out their ninth album, uh, and as a matter of fact, it hit number two um, last month uh, or recently. I don't know. Let me see. I can't remember. Chevelle, Billboard. Uh, yeah, I can't see self, it's, but they're they're an ongoing peaked concern at number here. two, three twenty 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 one. Um, so yeah, I mean, they they put out their first their first album in nineteen ninety nine. Um, you may know the song um, "Send the Pain Below," which is what turned me onto them. That's off their second album in two thousand two. Uh, the Red was another one uh, off of that album, and their their sound is uh, if you like Deftones. Similar to them, um, I, when I heard them at first, I, I was hooked, um, and I'll go through days, weeks, just listening to the Chevelle channel, just because like that's that's my mentality and and love them. So yeah, check out Chevelle if you don't know them. Go to Spotify, check out their channel, and just listen to them nothing but for a while. It's pretty cool. Nice. And then we actually had our local bands here today, uh, yes. Morphine. Yeah. Um, obviously, they hit it nationally, and uh, you know, sadly, are are no longer uh, a going concern right now. I think they do still. Well, whenever we get back to touring, they do still tour. Obviously, without Mark Sandman, they have uh, you know somebody else playing. Um, but yeah, there's a, a local Boston band. You listen to them a ton in college. Really regret not seeing them. But uh, mm -hmm. the, yeah, we played Cure for Pain, which is the title track off, I believe, their third album, um, which you know was played as much as. Any other albums, at least in the college I went to, I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, Honey White was that the big hit they had. Mm, that's right. And uh, name two more bands that are rock three-piece bands that have no guitar player but a saxophone player. 
I can't name another one. I can't either. Uh, I think that's insane. And with a bass player who sang and played a two-string bass. A two-string slide bass. That's right. That, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. How unique is that? I mean, that's just that's art. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I love Morphine. I think they made some really great music, and mm-hmm. you know, it's a shame that uh, you know they they ended so early the way they did. Yeah. Um, it was '99. They didn't even make it to the 2000s. Yeah. R.I.P. Mark Sandman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Morphine, Chevelle, Green Day. That's a great break. Uh, coming up, we're gonna go back in time a little bit. Go back in time. You ready for this? Just show you what my politics 
We're back. You're used to hearing that song. If you listen every week, I know you all do. Uh, last as our exit song, uh, but we chose. 
accidentally chose it to be uh, the last song before the exit because... It's part of the set, and uh, it actually fits because the Talking Heads actually initially were a three-piece band. It was just David Byrne, Tina Weymouth, and uh, Chris Franz, and they were all in RISD studying uh, design in Rhode Island together um, before they actually recruited away uh, Jerry Harrison from uh, Jonathan Richmond's Modern Lovers, Modern Lovers, I believe a Boston area band, certainly a New England band. Um, and uh, he joined them. They became a four-piece and uh, recorded their first album. The rest is history. Nice. So, uh, you know, you get a curveball sometimes. You just got to knock it out, right? All wrapped up. Nice. <laughs> Good work. And uh, that leaves, you know, we're going to have a, a, a different outro song tonight. And yeah. uh, it's a song that's very similar to that, but sort of opposite. Uh, it's this band uh, called Smashing Pumpkins. Everybody knows is a four-piece band. Um, but they actually, uh, they kicked out, Billy kicked out Jimmy Chim Chim Chamberlain, their drummer, uh, for having some drug issues, uh, you know, in the mid-90s. And they, this is the first song they actually recorded as a three-piece band. And then they went on and did uh, uh, the album Adore as a three-piece band uh, using a lot of drum machines. Um, and uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be our outro for tonight. We probably won't use it again. It's off the Lost Highway soundtrack from, I think, 97. It's a David Lynch film. Great. Great film, and actually it was produced by Trent Reznor. I believe it was his first uh, soundtrack production uh, credit was on Lost Highway in 97. So uh, this nice. is Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it's called I. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, this week as in every week. Thank you all for listening to Harmonic Headspace. We are the icing on the cake that is your weekend. See you next week.
Thank <laughs> you.